Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. And you can also follow us at the show at Championship Pod. Hello, my name is Louis Shackshaft. Um, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan. I do a lot of writing, blogging, Sheffield Wednesday statistics. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. It's just my name, at Louis Shackshaft, or visit louisshackshaft.com. Hiya, I'm Lewis Hobbs, and I represent Sheffield United on the podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, representing Derby County on the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at BuckTaylor64, and I'm also a blogger on the Derbyshire Times group in newspapers. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. We, uh, we'll start with the, uh, sort of the, the main game on Friday night, which was the Sheffield Derby. Obviously, Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday represented today on the podcast. Um, we'll start with you first, Lewis, with the game being at Sheffield United. Sort of talk us through sort of how the game went from your perspective and, and what was sort of the build up to it like. Um, obviously, at the start of the season, I think many people would have fancied Sheffield Wednesday to be higher in the league than United. So was it a bit of a weird one going into the game sort of with the pressure on Sheffield Wednesday and not sort of on you as much? Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a weird one because for obviously for the past six years, Sheffield Wednesday have, have, have kind of been running Sheffield and we've we've been in the, the depths of League One and we haven't really been able to match their performances while they've been challenging to try and get into the Premiership. But obviously we've had a we've finally got back up into into the second tier and we've had a really good start to the season whilst Sheffield Wednesday obviously haven't. So we've we've been going into the ma- we went gone into the match as favourites. So it's it's really weird and it, it's put us in a really good spot because you, you're going in, you, you don't really have any fears because everyone's expecting you to win the game. All the pundits are, are, are saying, right, yep, it's going to be a goal-scoring run. You just We're going to batter them. But obviously, that didn't happen. Wednesday just got the new boss. Really don't want to butcher the name, but I'm going to say Luikai. He obviously did his homework. And I think when the game came in a perfect time for a new boss to join Wednesday... Because with a new boss, there's no way for a manager to really prepare for the game. You can obviously look at past how they've run teams in the past, but I'm sure looking back at, um, at previous manager, at previous teams that Louis Kai has managed, he's, he's favoured a, a 4-3-3 and a 4-4-2. He's never actually gone with a five at the back. So obviously he went into the game, counted us using, using our five at the back formation as it is. And and it worked to a t- it worked to a t. He really cancelled out our attack, and Mark Duffy, our, our main man as it is this year, the the creative maestro. He 
stuck David Jones on him all the game, took him completely out of the game, and, and, and we struggled. We struggled to get going through the full game. And yeah, Sheffield Wednesday didn't didn't create chances to scare us throughout. They had a few. They had a few pivotal chances where, like the um, the Adam Reach um, volley nearer to the end of the game, which Simon Moore got a fantastic save. But we wasn't threatened, but then we, we struggled to threaten Wednesday as well. And I do, I kind of see it myself as Wilder might have actually got it wrong. For one of the first times this season, he actually went into a game with, with the wrong tactic. Because I think, obviously, we've, we've been on quite a bad run of form only winning one in the last nine before the game. Obviously, now it's one winning ten. Our, our system has been so effective for the past year and a half. Um, and and Wilder's a really honest manager. And I think it might have to be time what we do change up and we do spice things up. Maybe go back to the four at the back because, as we saw in that game, it just seems that teams, teams now, they've they found out that five at the back and it seems that it, we're very easy now to defend against, hit on the counter-attack and, 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 and scrap scrap nil-nils, one-nils, two-ones and I, I think that's how it went down. Again, a, a very strange one for me was not involving Billy Sharp in the game at all. So the game earlier in the season, he was unfit but he did make the bench by the fact that we only had one striker fitting, Leon, Leon Clark, and Billy Sharp was working way to fitness. So he, he, he managed to kind of get match fit, but he didn't make an appearance in that game. Obviously, being the captain, the boy had blade. He, he, had, he had to get into the game because he would have been what the person at the 70th minute to spur on the team, push us forward and maybe get a goal. And there was quite a few chances where... Ender Stevens and George Baldock came in from fullback, put a dangerous ball into the box, and there was just no there was no striker or there was no one in the box to, to bury those chances. And and Billy Sharp might not be a lot of things, he might not be the most technical footballer, but his attacking positioning in the championship is one of the best and, and those type of positions he, he buries them. So I think I think it was very weird not introducing him to the game. And and I've got to, I've got to also add like David Brooks. How much did we miss him in the game? If you compare it, if you compare this game to earlier, earlier in the season, David Brooks absolutely ran the show. Is the only player in our team currently that is able to pick up the ball, run at defenders, and 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 absolutely scare the living life out of of defenders. And we don't really have anyone like that to bring off the bench to actually bring life in. So I think he was definitely missed and hopefully he'll be back for the next game and inevitably doesn't go to Liverpool or Everton where he's rumoured. So yeah, it's it's a bad result for our perspective. If you if you look at it as any other game, a nil-nil against the team in the bottom half of the table, we should be winning. But if you look at it as a derby, which it is, and I can't, personally I can't look at it at any other match, I think... It's the, it's the Steel City derby. It doesn't matter whether we're first in the league and Wednesday twenty um, fourth, vice versa. It's the biggest game of the season, any season, no matter what. So a, a nil nil is a good result because 
you just need to go into derbies just not getting battered. So coming out of the derby, not getting battered and getting a decent result, we could have played a lot better. We should have scored goals, but I'm not too distraught with the result. And obviously, somehow we've managed to sneak up a place into sixth with the point. Um, with Brentford leads, fourth losing behind us. So we're, we're in good stead um, to finish in the playoffs still. The, the result hasn't entirely broke us, but yeah, it could have been better. Yeah, so that's uh, Lewis's sort of perspective on the game. We've also got, obviously, Louis on today, Sheffield uh, Wednesday fan. How did you see the game sort of from your point of view? And do you sort of agree with, with Lewis's assessment or is there anything you'd sort of, sort of add to that? Uh, there's definitely things I can add, but I think Lewis has summed it up very well. Uh, you know, it's like he says, it's a derby game. The, the biggest thing from a Wednesday perspective is we didn't want another battering like like we lost, obviously, 4-2 last time at Hillsborough. That was the main thing. We didn't want to lose twice this season to the Blades. Um, and, and before the game, it was just so difficult to predict a scoreline or even the, the formation or, or the players he was going to pick because, obviously, like Lewis mentioned, and he, and he did get his name correct, I believe, it's Jos Luke, so it's a silent H, if you like. Um, but it was his first game in charge. Um, like he mentioned, Lewis there, he, he set up in a 5-3-2 formation with potential to go 3-5-2 also. Um, but we have got nine players out, and that's not an excuse by all means. We've got it's 11 versus 11 at the end of the day. But with our nine of our better players out, I think that's why he's set up with five at the back, obviously, in in hope to, to keep a clean sheet. And, and that's what we've achieved. And, and that was the biggest plaudits from a Wednesday fan is, is that we have managed to keep a clean sheet and, you know, and, and not lose the game. I think with it being a derby game, that's the biggest thing for us. Before the game, we simply just did not want to lose. Whereas, obviously, Lewis has discussed they wanted to go and get the three points. A point is more pleasing from a Wednesday fan's perspective. Um, as the game developed, as we know, I believe Sheffield, went, uh, Sheffield United, they, they were on top for the first 30 minutes and then it's, they seemed to pipe down a little. It, it was pretty even for the next 40, 50 minutes or so until the sending off, really. After, after Lewin's got sent off, I feel we may have fell apart and United would have gone on to win the game. And, and you know, they did have the better opportunities. But at the same time, from my perspective, it was really good to see Wednesday put in a bit of fight and have some structure to the game. Um, they had a bit of grit, determination. Each player seemed to understand their job role um, and, and they certainly worked as a team. Uh, the concerning thing is we, we've not scored again. I think that's um, four games now where we've, we've not managed to score a goal. But at the same time, in this game, in the derby on Friday night, the, the ultimate just not to get beat. Um, Luke's obviously come in and um, he's had all week to prepare for the game. And, you know, his first game in charge, we're in a, obviously a transitional period now. I'm, I'm very happy with a nil-nil and most of all the clean sheets. So I want to say, obviously, congratulations, congratulations to Joe Wildsmith for the clean sheet because he's, he's a young keeper, decent prospect, and he's pulled off a fantastic save um, from Donaldson. Um, but other players played well who, who haven't been, you know, recently. Like I thought, Zhao played well. Um, you know, uh, Jones kept Duffy quiet, as Lewis mentioned, and I thought Padil and Reach also had decent games. So, 
you know, I've I've got to be happy with the point. Like I mentioned, that the main aim was just was just not losing. So uh, I'll certainly take a point, and then hopefully from here we can push on under the new manager. Do you think now, sort of between now and the end of the season, it's him sort of having a good look at the squad, seeing what he needs for the summer, and not necessarily writing off this season, but is it? Sort of you looking ahead to sort of next season now, or or do you still have uh, sort of hopes that you can catch the the pack sort of around the playoffs? I, f- I think, if I'm honest, there's, there's about 12 points between us and, and Sheffield United actually, um, and I, I think it'd be it's, it's too big of an achievement to get in the playoffs now. I think we need to use the remainder of the season for Luke to um, basically clear out a few players. I'm hoping that he brings in a couple, maybe even on loan this this next three week or so. Um, obviously in the Janu- January window, but it's just a bit of a a trial period for Sheffield Wednesday now. I mean, don't forget we're only seven points above the relegation zone as well. And although I don't think Wednesday will get relegated, first and foremost we need to get enough points to stay in this division and then and then build from there. So if if Wednesday finish on let's say 60 points this season. That's great, but for us now, with the players that we've got and where we should be in the league, it's it's all about next season. And I think he's coming at the right time because obviously he's got about 15 games and then the summer to work out who he wants at the club, the players that he wants to bring in at the club. He wants to know about um, the formations that he's going to play, and and that will come all within time. That's gonna be, that's gonna take you know six six months really. It's it's a long long-term process to get to know everything about the club and then like I mentioned we build on next season and hopefully yeah we can push on towards that top two next season. Yeah we'll, uh, we'll move on to you Andy uh, obviously a sort of a trip for Derby down to to Birmingham where you were playing Birmingham sort of talk us through the game how it went and what were your sort of takeaways from the game? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously there was the added spice of uh, Gary Rowett going back to Birmingham City, um, who rather foolishly sacked him last season. And the Derby fans were obviously reminding uh, the Birmingham fans what a big mistake they made last season. But to be quite honest, in the game earlier on, the first 20, 25 minutes, Birmingham were actually on top. And uh, the post... uh, Quite a bit of a threat going forward. And uh, they hit the post earlier on as well. And uh, like we have many times this season, our defence managed to absorb all the pressure uh, when we were, you know, coming under fire. And after that initial 20, 25 minutes, we sort of like took the initiative. Um, I know within it, Johnny Russell scored a goal which was, you know, there was a bit of luck about it because uh, when he knocked the ball in, I think it got double deflected before it went past the Birmingham keeper. But into the second half, we, we took over. Um, there was a few chances where Matty Vidra hit the woodwork. Tom Huddleston had a chance as well. But uh, we went 2 in a up win. Vidra had a one-on-one. He's put through, had a one-on-one with a goalkeeper and he doesn't miss chances. You give Vidra half a chance and he'll score. And uh, later on in the game, David Nugent had come on as a, a substitute and uh, he he was 
through himself with the ball. And rather than be selfish, he knocked it across to Andreas Weinen to get the third, which would obviously rattle the blue noses up with him being an ex-Villa player. But I think um, this was a typical uh, reaction from uh, a Derby team and reflects how the season has been. When, when we have come under pressure, uh, we've absorbed it and, and then uh, taken the initiative as the, the, the other team have been unsuccessful in um, uh, taking advantage of the, of the uh, chances they've had. Uh, it was also very nice as well. Oh, it was uh, another good 3-0 away win um, to celebrate uh, Gary signing a new contract. And uh, overall, uh, you know, it, I, I'm not going to count any chicken. I don't count chickens and we're not, we're not promotion. I would be very surprised if we've not now anchored ourselves into the top six. But we're now sort of like looking like a team that is going to try and anchor itself into the top two. We're, we're, we're five points clear of Bristol City but we're only just the two points clear of Cardiff. And uh, I think uh, the next part of uh, the plan will be to uh, make the, uh, the top two now uh, uh, to solidify our position in that. Um, very difficult in this division. All teams hit a blip. And, but uh, our blips at the minute seem to be picking up an odd draw but uh, you know uh, it's, it's been a very good run and I'm having to pinch myself if I'm being quite honest with you Yeah you mentioned there that you've uh, sort of got into the top two now we said I think it was last week or the week before on the podcast that especially for me Derby really sort of gone under the radar this season, while teams like Wolves and Bristol City have sort of got the plaudits and the, the media attention from the way they've played. You don't really see sort of Derby mentioned too much. Is that sort of suiting you to go unnoticed and slowly climb up the table and not have this sort of media spotlight on you? Yeah, I mean, I think what have, might have played a part in that is um, we, we, we've had previous seasons where where when Steve McLaren came in and took us to Wembley and we narrowly missed out on going up. The following season, we missed out on the playoffs. Then um, where we started the season with Paul Clement and ended with Darren Bossell, again, we, we fell short at the um, semi-final stage of the playoffs. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, are sort of thinking, you know, Derby choke every year. That's to me, if, if you are finishing in the top six, it's not a choke because if you're in a playoff place, it's a lottery anyway. And uh, we came very, very close one year. And, uh, uh, you know, some people just get it into the heads if you failed um, two or three times that it's not going to happen for you. But uh, what people don't realise is or they don't take into consideration it's under different managements and not necessarily playing the same type of football. Um, the, the year we failed at Wembley, I thought we were the third best team in the, in the division. But, you know, it was one error by one of our players which led to a downfall in the game we dominated. Um, the, the capitulation 
on the occurring the following season was evident if it was going to happen from the January anyway. But I, I think that was um, off-field issues that uh, resulted in, 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 in the slide there. And then against Hull City, we, we'd uh, sacked Paul Clement because the team had sort of like taken a turn for the worst in performance and results-wise. And we, we had an inexperienced manager in Darren Mostel coming from the academy and we was very hit and miss. Uh, but what we've got now, we, we, we've had a... You see, Gary Rowett, um, although doing a good job at Burton, doing a good job at Birmingham, people have, have yet to see him complete a promotion. And I think people were probably... You know, the, the jury was still out on whether he was a sort of manager that could take a team up. But uh, hopefully he is now going to... Uh, had a promotion onto his CV, and uh, we finally get to the promised land. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, to sort of stay on Derby as well for a minute, um, there was quite a lot of talk, uh, especially over last week, about Rowett potentially going to Stoke, and I saw quite a bit of it on Twitter as well. You and uh, Jake, who you the podcast last season, sort of having a conversation about it, is... Is that sort of a, a massive statement of intent for you that he's now signed a new deal and sort of, um, sort of waved off the, the Premier League interest for him? He's got Premier League interest, but it's with Derby County. It did not surprise me at all when he signed the new contract. I didn't expect him to go to Stoke City. I know, obviously, Jake was coming in from a, a neutral's point of view where here's a golden opportunity to, uh, to manage in the Premier League keep a team up and, uh, you know, further yourself up the management rung. But you've got to look at the the bigger picture. I mean, for a start, Gary Rowett wanted the Derby job a long, long time before he actually got it. Um, when he became Birmingham manager, the Derby job wasn't available. I believe when Nigel Pearson was hired that there was interest from Derby be in taking Gary Rowett from Birmingham, but obviously at that particular time, Birmingham didn't want to let him go. I don't think he needed asking twice when he was offered the job. And the logic behind him staying at Derby rather than moving on to Stoke is Stoke could very easily be relegated, even no matter how good a manager um, Gary Rowett may be. He would he he appears to me to be the sort of manager that will take a few games, he will look at what he's got in front of him, he'll take stock, 
he will know how he wants them to play, which players are within that squad um, that are capable of playing his style of football, what he wants to see on the pitch. And then, um, during a transfer window, he will come he will go out and identify players to do that. Now, um, he came in as our manager towards the end of last season and we had a mixed bag of results. And that was the time where Gary Bowart would obviously be having a look at the, the squad overall, deciding what he wants. He then had the summer to bring in players that, uh, to fulfil the roles which you know he could see uh, needed um, doing. And uh, eventually shaping the team to how he wanted it to play, and it's not we're not a one-dimensional team anymore. We can win ugly, um, we can play nice football, we move the ball up into the opposition half quickly, and um, you know that that's that's the sort of manager he is. Now, had he gone to Stoke City, who were at the minute flirting with relegation. Would he really have times to plan ahead to um, not only just scrape the, you know, uh, scrape themselves away from the relegation zone, but to actually start to uh, make sure that they can solidify a position within the Premier League? I think the timing would have been all wrong. If they, if, if this was an appointment during the summer, maybe um, a manager like him. Well, to give it greater thought, but uh, Gary Rowett clearly stated that when he signed a new contract, and the new contract was actually um, in negotiation before the Stoke speculation came, it just hastened, thing, hastened things up a bit, um, he stated he had no interest whatsoever in the Stoke job. He's got a job to do at Derby County, and he wants to take them into the Premier League and... You know, uh, who can blame him? Because, I mean, he, he does have Derby links anyway from his playing days. And he was well-liked as a player. Uh, the fans took a little bit of time to get used to um, his style of management. But uh, now he's got us playing, you know, playing a bit of nice football. Um, they're really warming to him. Yeah, just while we're on the subject of uh, sort of Rowerton and managers uh, sort of been given time to build and, and sort of that kind of thing. I wanted to get uh, Louis and Lewis's opinion sort of on this as well. Obviously, when he left Birmingham City, there was sort of quite a few eyebrows raised about, you know, why he was why he was sacked and what he right to do it at the time. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, obviously, with the slide that, that Birmingham have had now. And do you think that they are going to be sort of massively regretting that, given the success he's had at Derby County over the last sort of six to 12 months? I certainly do, yeah. I think uh, without question now, Rowett's proved his point and I think that Birmingham are 100% wrong to sack Rowett when they did. Obviously, we all know where Birmingham City were when they sacked Rowett um, with 6th or 7th in the league or, or something like that around there. And now you just have to take a look at Birmingham and I know you know it's, it's not potentially all Steve Cottrell's fault um, being slumped at the bottom, but it just proves that Rowett was getting the best out of those players. And all you have to do is take a look at, at, at Derby County. And I've been watching a lot of Derby County recently. And I think the, with each game, they seem to get better and better, especially this last two, three months now. Um, 
they play some really good attacking, well drilled football, and each player seems to they're basically working as a team and know what job they've each got to do. And for example, and and they're just developing and developing as the season season progresses, basically. And like I mentioned, I think they're getting better and better with every game. And because of that, I think that they will finish second this season. I can't see them probably catching Wolves, but I certainly think that Derby, like I mentioned, just improving and improving. And now, obviously, they've got the January window. I mean, Andy will probably discuss that. I don't know if they'll bring any players in. But at the same time, I think now that they're just going to reach the potential and, and they'll, fi- they'll finish second in the league. And, and that's probably another reason why Rowett hasn't gone to such as Stoke City and he's signed a long-term deal and it is a statement of intent. Um, and, I, and I can certainly see Derby County in the Premier League next season. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with a lot what uh, both Andy and Louis have said. When, when he did get the sack from from Birmingham, I think it was it was seventh in the division, but they were actually only three points away from second. So the division was so tight at the time. So like seventh in, at the time was a, a, a brilliant position to be in. So it was really confusing, and obviously there was a lot. He didn't get on with the with the ownership, and just ever since then, they've just been on a downhill. And even like when they got Redknapp, people thought people thought that was going to be a fantastic appointment. But it's like one of the first podcasts of the of the season, I did say that Redknapp would be the first manager to get sacked, and he was. And and I, I, the reason I thought that is just because of the slump what Birmingham City are currently in. And yeah, like Lewis said, it, it might not be Cottrell's fault, which I don't, which I don't think it is. So they, they was really, really, really weird to get rid of Rowett at the time, and it must have been something, must have been something behind closed doors. And maybe like Andy said, he he was he's he's always been after the Derby job. Maybe just he wasn't enjoying it. I know he might have been seventh in league, but he he might not have been enjoying it. But now him at Derby. He's he's definitely got it right because like I just look at it back at the start of the season. Don't know if Andy can remember the game, but it was the third or fourth game of the season, I believe. And Derby came to the lane, and it was three-one. And Derby at the start of the season, when I watched that game, I was like, "Wow, <laughs> that does not look like the Derby County which you think when you think of champ- the big clubs in the Championship." And we won we won three-one. Scott Carson gifted gifted Billy Sharp a brace, and and we just steamrolled through the game. And then comparing it back to um, a couple of weeks ago when we got a one one all draw, you could see how organised he had them. And we're a very possession based team. We like to we like to attack, and and they controlled that, and they 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 shooed us off for a lot of the game. And obviously, result. It shows how how good they've been, and second in the table. I can only see them definitely finishing the top six, but definitely a contender for second. Yeah, I agree with sort of everything you guys have said there. Um, I think Birmingham were definitely wrong to get rid of him at the time, and he's he's doing a fantastic job at Derby now. So uh, hopefully for you, Andy, carries that on, and you do get promoted this season. Um, but sort of moving on to Preston, just to cover the game yesterday quickly. Yeah, we had a trip down to the capital to Millwall, which 
sort of judging where they are on the table, you'd think it's a game that Preston should probably win, but Millwall have really turned um, their home ground into a bit of a fortress this season. So to come away with a point, you know, it wasn't the worst result considering sort of all the teams around us dropped points as well. So we dropped, uh, I think it was two places in the league, but we've actually gained the point on the playoffs. So it leaves us two points outside the playoffs now, which sort of looking back at the draw, you know, if we'd have won, we'd be level with six, uh, just outside on goal difference. You know, a point to point, that point could sort of, especially with how tight it is around at the moment, I think between sort of six and a nip switch in 12th, there's only four points separating. So, you know, a point at the end of the season could be crucial sort of one way or another. So not too downbeat about it. We played some good football again, you know, which we've, we've come to do uh, sort of this season under Alex Neal. It's been fantastic to watch, really. Um I thought Callum Robinson played well. He's really sort of taken his chance when he's been given it. Um, sort of a couple of weeks ago, I said that he was sort of chomping at the bit really to get a chance and, and he'd probably take it like he has done. So delighted for him. Got the goal yesterday. Not sure what part of his body it hit. He took it across. I think it ended up coming off his chest um, or certainly his hip, sort of that area. So doesn't matter how they go in, they all count the same. So yeah, delighted for him. And we have, which I'll cover later, uh, Birmingham at home next weekend, which, you know, fingers crossed, we, we should pick up all three points there. And, you know, we're really then in the in the running for the playoffs. Um, but just sort of to, uh, to get your guys' um, sort of thoughts and reactions, really, um, obviously uh, a bit different for you, Andy, um, having the game at United and, and getting beat, but it was the FA Cup draw on uh, on Monday. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, sort of, are you happy with the ties and sort of how do you see or view the FA Cup this season for, your, for our teams? Is it a case of it's a bit of a distraction, say in the case of Sheffield United trying to sustain a playoff push or, you know, is it is it a welcome break from league football? Um, we'll start with you first on this one, Louis. Um, sort of looking at yours, if you get past Carlisle in the replay, you've got Stevenage or Reading. Uh, were you happy with the draw and sort of what have you made of it so far this season? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest, because obviously we're going for that transitional period now with a new manager. Um, and the worst thing that could happen was, like you've just mentioned, we've got to play Carlisle in a replay. And to be honest, when we played Carlisle last week, um, it would probably been better if, obviously, we would have won or, or even lost. Um, however, now we have got the new manager in, we do play Carlisle on Tuesday night. Um, but I think he can, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting Sheffield Wednesday to, to go and win the Cup by any means, but it would be nice to see us go on now probably a bit of a Cup run because we're potentially not going to do anything in the league. Um, so if we can... You know, for example, get to halfway in the league and finish there this season, and you know, if you know, see if we can get to a quarter final of the FA Cup or you know something like that, then it'd be quite decent for a Wednesday fans' perspective because up to now this season's come to nothing. Um, but the good thing about the cup last week, I'd have probably said we'd have been better off out of it, but now we've got the new manager, it's. It's giving a bit of scope to uh, use the cup of a bit of a bit of a trial and error period, um, testing new players like I mentioned earlier and new formations and you know obviously he's already tested a five three two away from home at United in the league. Obviously he can tell them that works away from home, um, but like I mentioned, if, if we've got Stevenage and, and Reading and they're both 
winnable games, like obviously with the first hurdles getting past Carlisle. Again, we should be winning that on Tuesday night. If we can get past them, again, we should be winning against Stevenage or Reading. However, like I say, it'd be nice for him to try out a few of the youngsters, see potentially what they can do. Um, but all in all, I'm not really fussed what we do in the Cup this season. Everything now with the new manager coming is is going to be based on maintaining a decent championship league spot this season and then everything turns on to next season and and, and, and where we where we can reach and what we can achieve next year. So, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little cup run and we've got the potential to do so because we've got a couple of winnable games. But all in all, I'm not fussed either way what we do. It'd be nice, like I mentioned, just a couple of youngsters to be played and, and see, you know, if they can prove their worth. But I'm not expecting anything more than, you know, winning the next couple of games, to be honest. And, and we'll, we'll probably get knocked out when once we've once we play a Premier League team. So, we'll see from there. Yeah, and the same to you, Lewis. You've actually been drawn against us. So, uh, how was sort of the draw for you? Are you happy with the draw that you've got? I know, sort of, from my point of view, I was looking for a Premier League team or sort of a lower league team at home so you can get through to the next round. It's always gutting when you you wait for the draw and end up uh, getting drawn against a team, similar place like in the league to you that you're already going to play twice in the season anyway. So, bit disappointed from my point of view, even though my brother's at Union Sheffield, so it'll be a good opportunity to go over there and sort of catch up with him. But uh, how did you see the draw and, and what are your expectations for your sort of FA Cup run this season? Yeah, I, I guarantee we have the, the identical uh, look into the game. I, I don't know if you actually watched the draw, but in the last six teams, there was, I'm sure there was Tottenham and Chelsea. Win. Yeah, Newcastle as well. Yeah, yeah, Newcastle <laughs> as well. So you've got three big ties in there, which we're sat anticipating, thinking, yes, an away day to Wembley. But no, obviously, we ended up drawing the last two. Um, a championship club, which is in the exact same road as as us. But yeah, it's 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 just a refreshing fixture. It'll just be a game where I'm sure, as Preston will be doing as well. You can put out a few first experienced teamers, and then and then chuck in two, three, four, five youngsters or or players who are on the brink of team. Maybe had a few sub appearances, but uh, maybe deserved of a start. So, like in the last game, what we had we had Ipswich, so a, ver- a very similar fixture. We we chucked in a, a few of the fringe players and few youngsters, and some of them did really well. So. It'll just be a case of trying, maybe trying out something new, trying out a new formation to see if it'd work in the league. And it's a very, it's a, it's a winnable game for for each of us. You you can't really predict it. So yeah, if, if we get if we get into the next round, very nice. But I'm not expecting anything. It'll it'll just yeah, it'll just be nice to get into the next round. But I'm not too fussed either way. Yeah. Completely agree. We had, uh, it was uh, sort of the same with us when we had Wickham uh, the other weekend. We uh, we played sort of more of the the people who, as you say, are deserving of a start that have been on the bench. Um, so it was a good opportunity for them. As I mentioned earlier, Callum Robinson played up top on his own that game where he's, he's normally a winger. So it was a good chance for him and he, he took his chance. You know, a few of the other guys as well who'd 
been on the bench, came in and played well, and it, it sort of shows that we've got that good squad depth this season, which we haven't really had in sort of previous years. So it'll be a good opportunity again for them to further stake a claim to, to get into the the starting eleven. So looking forward to it. And as you said, it's almost sort of a free game, really. You know, um, try out a few different things, rest a few players. So should be a good day anyway. And you know potentially then you get into the fifth round when uh, it tends to be the bigger teams left. So there's always the possibility then of getting a uh, sort of a bigger team in the draw. Certainly last season for us, we ended up getting Arsenal at home, which to this day, I still don't know how we didn't win the game. Um, got beat in the last minute, which was gutting really, because I uh, would have loved to trip down to the Emirates with Preston, but, you know, wasn't to be. So fingers crossed this year, um, you know, it's, as you said, impossible to call really. Um should be a good game. And if we get through, we get through. If if we get knocked out, we can focus on the league and uh, sort of carrying on towards the playoffs. Um, just sort of to, to touch on Derby as well, Andy, obviously you had Man United. You've already sort of had your sort of big draw for the uh, the Cup this year. I think sort of looking at the team, I noticed there were a few changes made. Was that sort of with the league in mind that a few changes were made? Um, possibly so. Um be quite honest, with the exception of we uh, we brought Alex Pierce in for Curtis Davis and gave him a rest. Um, Gary Gary Rowett made five changes, and the players that came in actually did pretty well. To be to be honest, uh, Marcus Olsen, who uh, came in at the left back position, I thought had uh, quite a good game. Um, obviously, you'd love to beat Man United, everybody would, um, but. I wasn't upset um, about the performance either. Um, we held them out to about the 83rd minute, and it's quite ironic that a former Derby loney, Jesse Lingard, scored a, a cracking goal to give them the lead. Um, I'd, I'd love to have beaten them, but uh, I'm not over-upset about going out either. Um, especially, you know, we with some of the chasing pack are still in the cup and it can prove to be a bit of a distraction. But, uh, you know, the clash on through United put a very strong side out. Um, we, we, we didn't disgrace ourselves, but you know, it it was evident which, which side were uh, a side near the top of the premier league. But, um, when the fourth round comes, that will give us a, a week off. So if we've got any players um, carrying any knocks, it'll give them a, a bit of extra time to get back up to full fitness. But, uh, you know, um, I, I, I do I enjoy the, the FA Cup. And I, I give um, full credit to Manchester United for putting out a, a, a good team there. Um, unlike uh, is it Arsenal, who uh, made massive changes and went down to uh, our rivals uh, across the A52. Um, and to me, they just showed, you know, a bit of disrespect to the oldest competition in the world, which unfortunately um, hasn't got the glamour of, of, of what it used to have. But uh, overall, you know, proud of the lads for the effort that they put in on Friday night. Obviously, would have taken the win against Manchester United and uh, up a few of the uh, Manchester United TV fans, uh, but uh, not over upset about going out either because I really, really do think we need to be concentrating on the league. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you there in, in regards to sort of resting players there, sort of from United's point of view, you know, you just look at Arsenal and, and what they did in the third round or didn't do. It's obviously the case maybe, so it was uh, credit as well, credit to United, but also sort of a show of respect to Derby, I think, that they uh, played uh, sort of one of their strongest teams and uh, didn't take you too lightly as sort of a championship team, which, you know, Premier League managers have done in the past and been caught out by um but sort of moving on to, to next weekend's games, um, obviously uh, there's a couple of FA Cup replays in the week, but sort of the main focus sort of really is on the league. Um, start you first, uh, Lewis, on this. You've uh, got Norwich away next weekend. Sort of how do you see the game going and, and what are your expectations and score predictions for it? I'm, I'm actually really not looking forward to this game because Norwich at home was one of the most frustrating games of football to watch that I've, that I've ever had to watch probably in the 10-plus years I've been watching the Blades. Daniel Falk set out Norwich. They got an early goal. I think it was like 15th minute with that Yannick Wilshire who was just on to Cardiff. And then for the remaining 85 minutes or 75 minutes, whatever, they stuck 10 men behind the ball frustrated the living life out of the players and just nothing went our way. There was just not a single um, single bit of luck getting thrown our way and and we ended up losing the game. So going to Carroll Road, I don't know I don't know what it's like. I've never been before. But I just hope it's not nothing like nothing like that game previously. But how how I think we'll we should set up I think Wilder may may stick with what he knows, but I do really now think after not winning, after only winning one game in ten, we need to spark up things and we need to we need to change the formation. Maybe move back to a back to a four at the back. We've we've got our business done really early. We've already brought in three new signings: Lee Evans from Wolves, who's been at Wigan. James Wilson, who came on um, in the derby again from from Manchester United, and we've got Ryan Leonard from Southend. Three players which are all going to be fighting for a, a place in a first team, and I suspect we'll be signing Ricky Holmes tomorrow, which is when the podcast will come out from Charlton. So we've possibly got four new players which we can throw straight into the deep end, possibly give them a start, but it just it's. It's just giving the team a bit more freshness. And it now gives us that ability to maybe play wingers instead of full-backs. And I'm, I'm, not, sure, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the, with the strike force. Because obviously we, we do have Wilson. We've got Clark who... Clark has really been hit and missed this season. Obviously, he's the leading goal scorer alongside Vidra. But he gets caught out of games a lot and he's the man in form so you can't really afford to drop him but maybe we do need to give um, another striker a chance maybe Billy Sharp he some, he just hasn't been getting into the side of the past couple of games but I honestly don't don't know why because he works his absolute socks off and he, he gets into those positions and he, he's he would be he would be up there in the goal scoring charts I think if he'd um, played as many minutes as our other players so yeah, hopefully we can go in with a different 
a different formation and, and, and properly push for a win because I think it's make or break for whether we get playoffs or not. Norwich are, are up there. They're going to be battlers and it's the classic cliche six-pointer. If we lose, we're just going to carry on dropping further down the table and this bad run of form needs to stop. And I think if it doesn't happen at Norwich, then it might not happen and we might just continue to drop down the table. Yeah, and to move on to you, um, Louis, you've got a sort of a, a difficult-looking home game against Cardiff. Um, obviously, they're sort of in the top three at the moment. So, Andy, I'd probably love you to uh, to do them a favour. Um, how do you see the, the game going and what would be your sort of predictions for the game as well? Again, it's difficult to predict because, obviously, it's a new era for us. Um, and like the game against Sheffield United, I didn't know what formation he were going to play, the players he were going to play, and ultimately the result. Um, so, again, like I mentioned, it's a new era. The main thing for us is getting our best players back from injury, and that's going to take another you know, couple of weeks to a month for all the major ones to return. Uh, but, obviously, it's, it's Neil, Warnock, Neil Warnock coming to Hillsborough with Cardiff and... You know, with you, you all know about the the history there between the the, the manager and the club. Um, now Cardiff have had a dip in form recently, obviously didn't they? The, the last the last three weeks or so, but then they went on and beat Sunderland so convincingly four uh, 0 in the last fixture, and, and they probably could have scored more. I've watched the highlights back from that, and they look really really good. I know Sunderland are obviously near the bottom of the league, but it was just it was just one way traffic. Uh, and I like Cardiff are playing really well this season as a team. They play, you know, really well as a unit, and they've got a good togetherness. Um, so to be honest, I'll probably be happy again with a, another point in this fixture because, like I say, I don't know what to expect from Sheffield Wednesday. Like I said, it's it's a transitional period. It's a new era. Be great to get the three points. Um, if I was going to predict a result, I probably would say one-one. Um, it'd be nice for us to score a goal. Like I said, I don't think I think it's four games now where, where we've not scored. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to predict a one-one draw and and then see. I'm just more interested to see what team and what formation he's going to play, and, and that'll give us kind of an insight to to what sort of team he's going to play going forward uh, for the remainder of the season. But yeah, I'm going to predict a one-one draw for this one. Yeah, and uh, finally to you, Andy, you've got a, a game in front of the Sky Cameras on Friday night against sort of a team very similarly placed to you in the league at the moment, uh, Bristol City. How do you sort of see the game going and, and what would be your predictions for the game? Well, hopefully you win. Um, if, if, we, uh, if we can manage to win, we'd pull eight points clear of them. And if, uh, if we can get uh, Sheffield Wednesday to do the business against Cardiff, and we win, that will pull us five points clear of Cardiff. Uh, sadly, it doesn't always work out like that. Um, I mean, I, I think Cardiff will draw at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so it, it's down to us. I think the, the game against Bristol City will be very tight. Um, we, As uh, Lewis mentioned earlier, we, you know, we, we got bumping at Sheffield United early in the season. And uh, we... We fought out a close uh, uh, one-all draw when they returned uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, we went away at Bristol City earlier on in the season. Despite going 1-0 up, we, we got hammered 4-1. But they seem to have gone off the boil a little bit lately. Um, but as, as we all know, all teams uh, 
usually have a, a blip somewhere. Um, I My concern would be not to lose the game. Um, if we don't lose the game, we'll still be in second place. It's just the uh, whether at the end of the weekend it's going to be on goal difference or a clear points uh, difference. Um, possibly, I could see us winning this one, one nil. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a draw. In fact, well, I wouldn't be surprised if Bristol City nicked it. I just hope that they won't nick it. But my my gut feeling is. Uh, a one-goal victory, and uh, hopefully uh, Sheffield Wednesday can uh, get something against Cardiff, and we we can open up a gap against uh, both teams, or or in fact stretch the uh, stretch the gap a little bit longer. But there you go. Yeah, and just sort of finally to uh, to cover Preston's game next weekend, we've got a, a home game against Birmingham City, so. Sort of form and suggest that it should be quite a comfortable win for us, and uh, that's what I'd sort of predict it to be. We've uh, we've been quite good at home sort of this season, with the exception of the the defeat to Middlesbrough the other week. But even then, in that game, you know, I still don't know how we lost the game. We were absolutely fantastic at that game. It's probably one of the best we've played all season, really. Just um, a shame we conceded sort of a couple of soft goals, and then you know couldn't manage to sort of get a draw or, or push on and get a win. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd predict that we uh, we should win it quite comfortably. Obviously, Birmingham, we all know how badly they're doing this season. And you know, if we want to if we want to be keeping up uh, with the chasing pack for the playoffs, we need to be winning our home games, especially against the team in the the relegation zone as well. So, be um, should be a good game. Um, you know, hopefully we get the win, and it'll be a good opportunity as well for sort of some players who you know uh, are getting game time now. To as I said earlier, further stake a claim. Um, Darnell Fisher hopefully should be back as well. Uh, our right back, I think he was just a little bit too short for the for the Millwall game uh, on fitness. So hopefully he's back, and you know that shores up the defence a little bit more as well. So you know it's uh, it's a good time to be a Preston fan at the moment, and it still feels weird this season. Sort of been so positive most weeks on the podcast, uh, with the exception of the the bad November that we had where we didn't win a game. It's it's been you know quite a good season so far. So. Fingers crossed that carries on at home next weekend, and uh, I'm sure the lads will be uh, will be giving it their all to try and keep up with the chasing pack of the playoffs. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you guys want to let everyone know where they can find you or any projects that you're involved in, now would be a good time. So my name's Louis Shackshaft. Uh, I represent Sheffield Wednesday on the podcast. I do a lot of writing, blogging, uh, Sheffield Wednesday statistics. Uh, so you can visit my website, which is my name, louisshackshaft.com. Or it's the same on Twitter, at Louis Shackshaft. Um, and I'm potentially going to start doing some writing for Vital Wednesday. Uh, so you can check that out in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm Lewis Hobbs and I've represented Sheffield United on the podcast. And you can follow my Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore where I talk and write all things Blades. Andy Buckley-Taylor representing Harvey County on the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at BookTaylor64. And I have a column on the website of the Dobbshire Times group of newspapers. Yeah, and as I said earlier, I'm James Vickers. You can get me on my Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers, where I'm mainly tweeting about Preston North End, but also quite a bit of German football as well. So if you do sort of enjoy either of those, definitely give me a follow. Um, And you can also follow us on the show at Championship Pod. 
on Twitter as well, where there's weekly polls and, and other bits and pieces to get involved with. So definitely check that out. Um, the link to the podcast and any other things that any of the guys are involved in as well are always shared on there. So, so yeah, definitely check it out. Well, cheers for joining me today, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.